A good morning, Bridge City Church. How you doing out there? Let's give God a great big hand. Can we do that this morning? And hey, church at Brighton Heights here, let's give everybody online a big hand. Can we welcome them here? We're so glad you're here today. We're here today worshiping God. There's a great, great group of people here at Bridge City Church in Brighton Heights that love Jesus. How many of y'all love Jesus? How many of y'all excited about the Word of God? Come on, we are in the right place at the right time. Here we go. Hey, we're in an exciting uh, series about the book of Acts, Acts 17, verse 6. Those who have turned their world upside down. I, now, I believe that I'm, a, I'm, I'm with a group of people here today that are about to turn their world upside down with the love of Jesus. Am I in the right place? Come on, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And that's what we've been communicating with you here. You know, I, I, I've been around here um, at Bridge City Church, and before it was called Bridge City Word and Worship Church, Word and Worship Fellowship, for a lot of years. As a matter of fact, it's been decades that I, I've been around. Now, see, I remember this church back when we were uh, back in the 80s, and how many of you weren't even alive in the 80s? Come on. Thank you. I see those hands. Very good. Good deal. And um, so back in the 80s, I remember church services. And, and this, is, this is what would happen occasionally. that worship would stop, and the pastor would get up, and the pastor actually would call people out, uh, out just like you're sitting here right now. And, and, he, and there was a few people that maybe were, were living a sinful lifestyle. They were calling themselves Christians but we're living in a sinful lifestyle. And he would say, stand up, and they would stand up, and he would call their sin out, and, and he would say, you can either come up here and repent, or you can leave. I mean, can you believe that happened? I mean, I believe that happened. That was, this is real. Now, so I want to let you know, some people stayed, and some people left. Now, now, right, wrong, or indifferent. Now, many of you are getting a little anxious right now, okay? You're getting a little nervous. Now, we're not going to do that here. But right, wrong, or indifferent, your view of that and what you think of that, like, I, I want to know what, I want you to know what it did inside of me. It made me do an introspection in my heart. It made me think, like, I don't want to be that guy. How many of you, like, immediately, like, I'm like, whatever it takes. As a matter of fact, I remember leaving church in those times and, and, and being with, and being with a group of people maybe at lunch and going, can you believe that happened today? And it's just like, yeah. It's like, do you have anything that could be called out? I mean, that's how we would talk to one another. We would be like, hey, are you okay? Am I okay? Are we, are we really okay? Like, because it put a healthy fear of God in our lives. See, the, the story that I want to unwrap for you today is something that I've never preached in all the decades I've been preaching. And that is Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And in, in what we're going to take a look at is what does uncommon devotion really, really look like? And the real question is, is can the Holy Spirit coexist with sin and deception? Now, 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 now we're, we're going to unwrap a story. And again, I've never preached this one. I'm not even sure if I ever heard this preached before. I've heard it referenced but I've never heard anybody preach it. So here we go. But before we get into there, I want to launch with a couple big ideas. Here's the big idea. The church was birthed in the ministering, worshiping power 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that our church was birthed in the ministering, worshiping power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so the, the Holy Spirit isn't something that we're afraid to talk about. It isn't something to be feared. The Holy Spirit is to be revered and, and, and honored. Now, here's the big idea today. Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We're just going to break it down for you here, give you a little outline here. It's going to be the purity of God preserved. And then in, in the latter four verses there, 12 through 16 in Acts 5, we're going to cover power displayed. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, power displayed is a lot more sexy than purity preserved. Okay, but we're going to go through all these. But here it is. Here it is. The big idea. You've got to catch this here. Holy Spirit power is an outworking of the presence of Jesus. We need the presence of Jesus in our lives. How many of you realize that Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania needs the presence of Jesus? And I, I know how it's going to experience the presence of Jesus? <laughs> Through you. Through the people in this room. That's how it's going to happen. Through the people in this room. That's how it's going to happen. Believe it or not, that's what's going to happen here. So here we go. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 4, exciting things are happening. There's, um, they're giving generously. They're, uh, they're having prayer meetings where literally the power of God is shaking the room. Um, there's joy. There's oneness. There's unity. It's so exciting. And then we hit Acts chapter 5. Verse 1, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Now I want you to follow here. He said, I sold it all and I gave it all, but he kept back some for himself. Now, what's interesting to me is the verse, verses 36 and 37 in Acts 4 that come before verse 1 here. Now, now check out these verses here. In, in verse 36, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. You know, the son of encouragement. You know, it's like, yeah, him. You know? He was from the tribe of Levi, from the island of Cyprus, doesn't he sound like uppity? You know what I mean? Like, like who really likes the son of encouragement? You know, the son of encouragement. Come on, the tribe of Levi from the island of Cyprus. See, he sold a field he owned and he gave it all to the apostles. Now, I can't prove this in the text because I don't know about the intentions here, but I, but I know this, that these verses came before this one. Could it be, and I don't know, I just could it be that, that, that Ananias saw you know, the son of encouragement giving like that. He said, you know, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. Could it be that he was comparing himself to the wrong comparison and he wanted to do that? I can't prove it, but I have to ask myself that question. And all of us, are we giving of our lives in comparison to somebody else, but we really don't mean it? There's a tension there that we, that we balance here. And so here, we, so here we have Ananias and Sapphira here. They lie about it, and they hold some back for themselves. Now, I want to let you know that most of us in church, where we get really good with giving God our leftovers. 
or leftover time, if I have time for that, I'll give it. If we, if we have enough money to do what I want to do, then I'll give it. If we, if we have enough of this, I'll give it. We, we're giving God our leftovers, but here Ananias and Sapphira said, we're going to give it all. We're going to give everything we have here. But, they, but they, they held back. They implied they sacrificed all, but they were really holding back. So the first question is, no matter what it is that we sacrifice and we say we're giving to God, are we really giving all or are we holding back some? That's a good question that we have to ask ourselves here. So verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the what? You lied to the? What? Well, he lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to who were they lying to? God. See, see, but also it says that he was lying to the Holy Spirit. It's interesting terminology here that in the acts of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the apostles, looking at the Holy Spirit power, looking at the progression in the presence of Jesus in the book of Acts, because that's what we're looking at here. That's what we're examining, the progression here. It's interesting that he gets called out here. They didn't just lie to the church or to the apostles, but to the Holy Spirit. There's something to be said here about the Holy Spirit power in the deception that's so easily brought in. Now, the same word here for held back, the same word is used in Joshua chapter 7. You want to write that down. You want to look this up. In Joshua 7, there's a story about a man named Achan who kept back some things for himself that were supposed to be for God. But what happened, because, his, because of his sin in holding back, it, there was a loss of Israelite lives in his own life, in his family's life as well. See, when we hold back, it affects the whole. When we hold back in our lives, it affects something because we are involved in something so much bigger than just we ourselves. See, that's the, that's the story here. If it's left unchecked, what's going to happen here? See, just like in Joshua 7, they were entering the promised land, and they were entering there in this sin. The sin of Achan could have held them back. In the New Testament, they're entering into the promises of the Holy Spirit power. And sin left unchecked could hold them back. So, so God had to do something in this situation. See, see, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. See, it just takes a little bit of leaven. It takes a little bit of dishonesty. It takes a little bit of these things to, 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 rob, to rob us of the whole and what we experience here. So going back to verse 4, you had it all to do as you wished. You could have done as you pleased. Nobody was forcing him to do anything. He freely said, I'm going to do this. And then he held back. He said, you are free to save it. You are free to give it. You are free to do it with whatever you've pleased there. That's what he said here. Now, it's interesting here that 
that just like Judas, who sold Jesus for, for pieces of silver, the same thing enters here. It's a direct correlation to sin entering life. And sin can enter our lives through the love of money. Do you know the one common denominator that we all have here today? I want to say it's Jesus. How many of y'all believe it's Jesus? Come on, I believe that. Come on. Or want to know more about Jesus. Anybody out there? Come on. The one common denominator also is that, is that I guarantee you every person that's listening to me right now has thought about money every single day in this past week. We all think about it. We all think about it no matter where you are, especially if you're at the gas pump. How I many of y'all, it's, it's, it, it takes faith right now. Come on, somebody. Come on, see, see like, but, but we all think about money. And money can easily creep in, and money can creep into our lives. So the same correlation here is Satan entering a life. The same correlation is, is just like here with Ananias in Judas, Satan has entered in. And he's looking for a crack that he can go through here. What we see next in this, in what's going to happen is if sin is left unchecked, in, this, in, the, in Satan's influence, in deception, in lying, is left unchecked, what it will do here. Now, I want to let you know, how, how many parents do we have out there? Any parents here? How many of y'all know that when, when you're, ch- like, doing something wrong as a child is one thing, but when, when a child lies, you get double. How many of y'all grew up in a healthy, no, it's a healthy thing, right? There's one thing to say, okay, you did it, but when you lie about it, you're getting double. Double trouble for you. Come on. Am I right? Verse 5 here. Verse 5. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard it was terrified. Then some young men, where's my young men here? They would have got up because they, they were strong enough to go dig a grave. And they got up, and they wrapped him in a sheet, took him out, and buried him. <laughs> How many of you would like to go, to go to work on Monday morning, say, guess what happened at church? You aren't going to believe this. <laughs> How many of you believe, like right now, we're, we're wrestling, many people are wrestling with this right now, because it sounds kind of harsh. Am I right? Like, wait a minute. I mean, all he did was hold back a little bit. It was, oh, his anyhow. But did he let his yes be yes in his no, no? Did he give a commitment with his word here? And that's what we're looking at here. Now, many of us would feel much better with these, with these words here if, if the apostle Peter would say, hey, Ananias, come here. Hey, Ananias, like, I want you to know Jesus loves you. He really does love you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And Ananias, there's grace there's grace for you. There's so much grace for you, and as Jesus loves you. I think you just need to meditate in God's love and God's grace, and you just need to meditate a little more. And, and then if you meditate, because you know what Ananias' real problem was? He didn't have a good self-identity. Many of us would feel better about the story. But Ananias didn't need a self-identity. He needed a God identity. Who really is God? 
Who really does this all belong to, to, to begin with? See, 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 something came on those people at this moment where it's like, what just happened? How many of y'all would be terrified? See, just like I was a part of that church back in the 80s that, that, that listen, when people got called out for their sin, it terrified me in a good way. I, I don't want to participate with sinful actions that contaminate the whole. See, that, are you grabbing the point here? Because it's, it, it feels tough here. God will not allow Satan to get a foothold in his holy community. And could it be, could it be, church, that we are not experiencing the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in today's church because we have deceit and lying and some people are holding back? See, like, that's a real question, right? Isn't that a question that we need to wrestle with? That's a question like, could, could it be? I'm not stating that directly from here, but it's a question that I ask as a result of this text. Saying, huh, wonder, what, wonder where? Wonder what's going on here? Verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in from shopping. And she didn't know what happened. And, and Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they're going to carry you out also. She had the chance, she had the opportunity to make it right. You're right, that's the price, and we held back. She had that opportunity to make it right with God and the Holy Spirit, but she went along with it here. She tested the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, instantly she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, could you imagine the guys just coming in, it's like, another one? Are you serious? Like, whoa, what's going on here? And so they, so, so, so they buried her beside her husband in verse 11. Verse 11, great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who had heard what had happened. How many of y'all can agree with that verse? Am I right? Come on. Come on, am I right? How many of y'all, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, great fear. Let me tell you something interesting. In the book of Acts, this is the first place in the book of Acts that the word church, ecclesia, called out ones, is used. Isn't it interesting that the author of the word of God that wrote a word for you and me that we're still reading and enjoying today, the first place that the word church is used is here with the fear of God because I tell you what, where I would like the word church to be used, when they had joy, when people were experiencing blessing, right? Come on, joy, blessing, all the people who followed God, their kids skipped off the children's ministry. And there was joy and happiness and the music was just right and everything was powerful. There the word church should be used, right? But the Holy Spirit 
chose to do it here. What does that communicate to you and I about his church? That it's pure, and I believe it's holy. It belongs to him, and you, we can't mess with it. No, no, are you, are you tracking me? This is exciting. Unless, of course, you're Ananias and Sapphira. And, 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 and this is serious here. So, so, wow. So let's go back to the fear of God. What is the fear of God? Let me tell you what the fear of God is right here. The fear of God is to love what God loves and hate what he hates. But it's also to know that you will stand before God and give an account for your life. This is the simplest definition for the fear of God I can give you right now. And it's an exciting one. How many of y'all just want to love what God loves? How many of y'all want to hate what he hates? And how many of you know that you're going you're to stand before God and give an account? That's a healthy fear of God. That's what should go back and grip our lives because what we're participating with is holy here. That, that's what's so important here. And I don't want anything that, to hinder the move of God and the power of God and the presence of God. That's a cry from God. Weren't we crying out this morning in worship and we were, we were, we were singing songs of, of devotion and here I am and songs of a cry to God. Were you singing the same songs that I was this morning? That's this cry right now here. So let's just, let's just stop for a second and address something. Why isn't this, this type of ministry still happening in today's church? First of all, how many of you are very thankful it's not? Come on, anybody here? I see a few hands. Thank you. A few honest people here like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. There's hands going up and there's hands online right now, shooting up right now. Come on, we're, we're happy. But let me just say this. There's times where the Bible is a little amb ambiguous about what it doesn't communicate. We don't see a clear answer to that question. We don't. We don't see a clear one. So in absence of an absolute, concrete, clear answer, we go back to what we see and what do we know. So we don't just throw out the whole chapter and say, I just don't like that chapter. Because quite frankly, this, isn't, this chapter hasn't been real pleasant so far. Am I right? Are you reading the same one I'm doing here? Come on. But what we do know is this, is that the Holy Spirit cannot coexist with lying and deception and impurity. And so if I want the power of God in my life, I can't lie to the Holy Spirit. I need to be wholeheartedly devoted to Christ. Is that a good tension that we live in right there? And, and so, like, yeah, I don't know exactly why it's not happening, but I do know this, that I do know this, that, that if, we, if we bring defilement to God's church, the promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if we, if we defile his temple, he will destroy us. That's a principle that over the decades, over the decades, of serving Jesus, I have watched happen to people. And I love you too much to want that to happen to you. 
to bring lying and deceit and hurt into your life, into the church. I love you too much. I don't want that to happen because I don't want God to destroy you. Not necessarily. Now, I'll be honest. I've never watched anybody fall dead because of it. Yet. But I have seen people's lives be destroyed day by day because of a separation from God. Because of being separated from God, God leaves us to our own devices. And I don't know about you, me left to myself, it's not pretty. Are you the same way as I am? Do you have the same sin nature in your life? See, left to yourself and left to myself, it's not pretty, it's not good. But when I please God and I have a wholehearted devotion to Him, then I can experience true freedom. How many of you all appreciated that story? How many of y'all, it was a little uncomfortable, come on. How many of y'all, it's gonna get better here, come on somebody. Come on, verse 12, here we go, verse 12. We're gonna keep going into the next section here in Acts chapter five. And here we go. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. It got better. Come on, isn't it good? But, but let me tell you this, let me tell you this, let me. Purity has to come before his presence and power. I'm just, I'm just principally, did I give you a good principle there? Did we unwind it? Purity has to come before his power and presence happen. And so in all the believers, we're meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. That's a fancy way to just say it was an open area where they could all meet at. Okay, so they were all meeting together. And they were meeting regularly together. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. So there's, so in, in one verse here, it's like, oh, I want to be a part. I'm not sure I want to be a part. I kind of want to be... Really? Can you feel the tension? But I mean, but in the next verse, 14, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Now that should excite somebody here today. Yeah. Crowds of both men and women were gathering together because the power and the presence of God was doing something great. That's the place I want to be a part of. And yes, verses 1 through 10, 11, 12, all lead up to this. And it's exciting. This is the kind of place I want to be a part of. There were miracles, deliverance, healings, demonstrations of the power of God. People respected them. They were growing. The power of God is being displayed. In verse 15, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all... Yeah. Now, again, some of us read this and say, I just, I, I don't mind going to church and worshiping, but I'm not doing that whole shadow of Peter thing. No, see, some of us, like, I just don't like that. That's the work of man. That's show-offy. Nowhere does it say that, that the apostle Peter did a commercial. 
he didn't, he didn't post it on Facebook. And it doesn't even say that everybody who his shadow touched got healed. I, I want you to follow this. But, but there was such a power being demonstrated that just in case this shadow might fall on somebody, let's not miss it. Good tension? Oh, this, this chapter is full of tension, and I love it. Come on, how many of y'all love the tensions found in the Word? But shadow might fall. Epischiasso. That's, that's, that, that's all the Greek I'm going to give you today. <laughs> to overshadow, to be enveloped with, with, a, with a haze of brilliancy. Something that is shadow. There was a haze. There was an image. There was something around him, something emanating from him. There was an image coming off of him. Like in all, in all my years of preaching, never once did anybody say, I'm just going to lay down here, Pastor, in case the shadow hits me. I, 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 haven't, I haven't got to this point yet. But there was something about this shadow, something about this image, something about the way that they were responding in faith because God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And so, so many of the times we're presenting God our needs rather than saying, God, here's my faith. How about we go back and give God our faith? You're the only way. You're the one. You're the one I need. Come on, somebody. That's what we give to him. That's what we look to. But there's a, there's a unity and surrender here. See, see, there's an association with this word here, this, this, this shadow, this, that he was filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that the light was in him and enveloped him so much that it projected an image of him and produced the same effect of the incarnation and the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, this is the same word used when Mary conceived Jesus. This is the same word used at the transfiguration. And it's, it's in three different of the, of, of the Gospels listed for you. I, wanna, I want you to catch this. Could it be that the Apostle Peter, because he was there at the transfiguration, and he had a brilliancy about him, that there was an image being projected from him? How many of you would like that image to be projected from you? Where people look at you and they say, that's God. Come on, that's the image I want. That's the image I'm looking for here. So the acts of the Holy Spirit, purity is preserved, power displayed. And it is. The Holy Spirit power is an outworking of the presence of Jesus. So how then can we get more of the presence of Jesus? Isn't that really the question we're all looking for? Your problems don't go away. But in his presence, things are okay. That's why people ask me all the time, how are you doing? I said, life is good. I'm doing excellent. I, because even when life isn't so good, God is still good. See, that, that's, that, that, that's it. His image is in me. His image is a part of me. 
That's what I want to experience here. So what are the presets to a Holy Spirit-empowered life? It's simple. It's prayer. It's unity and fellowship. It's why we need each other. We need each other. You may not like it, but you need me. And I need you to be the best you. In obedience to the Word of God. See, leave, leave that up there. Listen. People ask me all the time, how did you make it 42 years serving Jesus? How did you go? Um, this will be my 30th year, 30 years on staff at this church. How did you make it all these decades? How did you do it? I've been pondering this a lot. Now, besides marrying the woman I did, which I would never discredit, that's been a biggest help, the God-fearing woman of God that loves Jesus and obeys Jesus. It's been my daily devotion with Jesus. It's every morning. And I hit every morning, it's every morning. When I say every morning, it's, I, I miss a few. And trust me, when I miss them, you know. I know. I'm being honest. But it's that daily devotion of sitting with Jesus. Just having a little talk. Sitting with my Bible open just reading. It's the people, it's being a part of a church with transparent, vulnerable, real relationships that have times irritated me. But thank God, they really did irritate the hell out of me and the heaven into me. How many of y'all need a couple relationships like that? Am I right? See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you a sanctified common sense here. It's the way that a spirit-filled life works and is empowered. This is how it happens. As a matter of fact, if I could give you anything, if I could wish anything for you, it would be that you would have a regular devotion time. Now, I didn't say reading somebody else's devotion, although I'm not faulting that. There's times that I read other devotions. But when I say devotion, I'm just talking about my devotion time. And if I could wish anything for you, anything that I believe would change your life, it is a daily time to sit at the feet of Jesus. I believe this will, this will transform your life. I believe this will take even the angriest cusses in the world and turn them into, turn them into transformed, God-fearing, God-loving people. Not just doing behavior modification, but spiritual po possibilities. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about here. So important here. It's a continual filling that this image let me just read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 
So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. When the veil gets removed is the day that you say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Only way to heaven is Jesus Christ. And then you say, Jesus, I want you to lead me into my future. When you say that, the veil's removed. So what image are we projecting? What image are we seriously projecting here? God's presence gives us an uncommon devotion. An uncommon devotion with a personal devotion time. Quiet time. We, we, back in the day, we used to call it quiet time. That's what we used to call it, quiet. You, did you have your quiet? How many of you remember quiet time? I didn't say time out. I meant quiet time. Time out's different. But it's sanctified common sense. And then we need a corporate devotion. We need the Word of God together in prayer. And we need a, a, a common fellowship. Are you with me today? Now, we're going to do something next week, January 30th, in the evening at 5 o'clock. We're going to do something what we call growth track. And it's going to be from 5 p.m. until 8 p.m. That's what we're going to do. We're getting as many of you as will come. And I'm so excited. I was up this morning working on my notes and working on the presentation. I'm just so excited. You know why? Because I want to help you grow. And so if you'll sign up and you'll go, not only will we feed you real food, and we have child care for, for kids, but we're all going to gather all four campuses in one place at the North Braddock campus. I'm so excited. The first session is going to be on how to deal with unforgiveness and forgiveness in your life. How many of y'all sounds like that's a great idea? Come on. How many of you have ever had unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody? Four people. Thank you. All four. I'm inviting you to come. How many of y'all have had that much already this morning? Come on. So. And then we're going to teach you how that heart is transformed. We're going to teach you how to, how just how to read the Word of God. I'm just going to share my heart. That's going to be level 201. And we're a whole, whole church, we're going to hear one thing together so we can all help one another grow. So that when we enter into small groups, connection groups launching in a couple weeks, we need one another. So the one thing I, I need you to do is commit that you're going to get to growth track. And then you're going to get to connection groups. Now, that's what I want you to do because the Holy Spirit's up to something great. I'm not good enough to totally transform your life in 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. I'm not that good. Thank you for, I appreciate it, but I'm not that good. But what will change you is that growth track. And what will change your life is that group. Let's stand to our feet together. The last thing I want to say is don't take what God wants to do with you lightly. Don't take lightly what God wants to do in each and every one of you. See, that's the issue here. We take lightly what God wants to do. And so I'm going to pray for you. 
And if you're here today, if you're watching, and you're saying, you know what, I want that uncommon devotion. I want that uncommon devotion. I want you just to lift up your hand. Even, even if you're at home, lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for an uncommon devotion to envelop your life. Come on, just right now, right where you are, Father God, I pray for every person right now. Lord God, that God, we as a church would experience an uncommon devotion where the brilliancy and the haze of brilliancy would be the image projected from each and every one of us with our hands up right now. Lord God, that we, God, would go back to that love relationship with Jesus Christ, the passion and energy of Christ. More than anything else, God, that's what we want. In the name of Jesus. Because you can put your hands down. Last thing I want to say is this. If you're here today and you don't have a day, a moment, or a time when you began a relationship with Jesus Christ, you tuned into the right place. You came to the right place because that's why God put this church on the planet to make heaven bigger and hell smaller. And so if you're here today and you don't have a date, a moment, or time when Jesus Christ, the only way to the Father, that he became the, for, the, giver of, the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, I want that to be you today. And if you're not sure, we just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in just a minute. And if there's anybody here right now that that's you and you say, uh, Pastor, that's me. I want today to be my day that I experience that. I just want you just to lift up your hand. If you're watching us online, there's, there's a link there. I want to know Jesus. You just click on that. Anybody here today, just say, you know what? That has to be me today. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody here? Anybody watching here? Here we go. Here we go. So let's lead everybody watching in this prayer. Can we do this together? Here's the prayer we're all going to say out loud. Say, Father God, forgive me, for I have sinned. I've fallen short. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done on the cross. Lead me, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, let us know. So we can help you and we can encourage you. We can get you to take your next step. And together, we're going to develop an uncommon devotion. You are a great, great group. Let's give God a great big hand. You can be seated.